Let's welcome back our, our, our guests. We're, we're going to talk about how to help children imagine the future and plan for it. Professor Judith Hudson is a professor of psychology at Rutgers University in New Jersey. She studies memory development in children and how they gain an understanding of time. Professor Hudson says that when we imagine the future, we draw on memories of past events and knowledge of past events. She's back with us to talk about how we help children with these concepts and the development of executive functioning. Because, of course, if you can master this, uh, you can uh, become a very creative and a very successful soul. Uh, Let's welcome Judith Hudson back. Great to have you with us. Great to be here. Last time we were chatting, we were talking about younger children, and I would just like to recap on some of those principles that don't have the concept of linear time or time marked by the clock that adults do, clearly. Just remind us of the principles of when concept of time develops and how. Okay. Uh, so young children, and I'm talking about, you know, children's like between two and five, um, when they first start talking about time or, you know, using language to remember past events, uh, they have kind of fuzzy concepts. And they're sort of building a bunch of fuzzy concepts that aren't completely uh, coordinated. So they begin to understand, for instance, or use the terms uh, yesterday and tomorrow around three or four, but they really just yesterday means anything in the past and tomorrow means anything in the future. It's not that particular day in the past or future. Um, but at this time, they, they're building up a lot of knowledge about what typically happens in a given day, the sequence of regular events. Um, so they're, you know, they have these, they're building, have these building blocks that they're kind of working on. Uh, but it doesn't all come together until maybe like five or six when they really understand what like a day actually is. And they begin to understand that some of these terms like yesterday and tomorrow uh, refer to not just vague concepts of past and future, but specific moments in time. They begin to learn the days of the week. And at first, that's just a rote, you know, list of names. But then, you know, around six or seven, they begin to understand that, oh, there's seven days within a week and they have the, you know, the same cycle of of days every single week. So it sort of begins, like I said, it comes together around six, seven, around, around that time. And up until that point, they have partial knowledge, I guess, is the best way to talk about it. So as children progress through elementary in your country, primary in our country, how does their concept of time uh, expand? Because we're going to talk about um, memory, looking back, and creativity and imagining the future as well. These are very important to human well-being, actually, to human mental health. Um, But as they progress through those primary elementary years, what's happening with their understanding of time and its its meaning, its application to their life? Well, one thing that happens, you know, um, at this time is, of course, they develop uh, mathematical skills. And so once they can kind of understand that like a week is seven days, I mean, then they can start really computing, you know, how long ago in terms of days, months, et cetera, something will happen. They begin to understand, you know, what a year means. And uh, when so they can talk about things happening a year ago and then eventually as they, you know, 
progress into what we call middle school and high school, um, they can start learning, you know, about history and things that happened 100 years ago or a very long time ago. So they can um, understand human history. So those are big concepts. And and part of that is, is understanding the, you know, how we represent time, but also being able to mathematically do some calculations about it. Now, that doesn't mean, though, that just means they kind of, you know, understand it in a abstract sense. Um, being able to think about the future and imagine the future and plan for that, those draw on skills that, um, you know, are, I will say, sometimes explicitly taught and sometimes not. Uh, one thing we found in our research, even with college students, is there's a lot of variability Eventually, everybody knows what, you know, they're, they're 12 months in a year and they kind of, you know, have some, some history. But when you look at college students, their ability to plan and like you just even plan how they're going to study for an exam, there's a lot of variable. but not everybody gets to be a good planner. Uh, so, um, you know, sometimes concepts, you know, everybody masters, but other skills like planning and time management, not everybody masters and no, adults sure often there's, struggle with this. There's a thing called procrastination that uh, <laughs> many of your students will be familiar with, uh, Judith. Yes. What's the relationship with executive function? So we're going to focus a bit more this time on uh, perhaps adolescence around um, middle school or in- intermediate years, uh, 11, 12-year-olds through into um, the teenage years because there's a lot happening with that adolescent teenage brain. Let's introduce this concept of executive function and how it pertains to time. What's happening at that slightly older age group, Judith? All right. So um, executive function skills, you know, are kind of a cluster of skills and they involve the ability to hold information and working memory and kind of work with it. Uh, so, you know, um, time, yeah, if you're you're planning time and you have like a you know, bunch of events that you have to consider and there's constraints over, you know, when things can happen and, you know, who needs to be do it with you and and what any of things can only happen on some days that's a lot of information so part of time management involves just kind of holding all this information in mind while you're trying to you know then then think about it and work with it um, it also involves cognitive flexibility to kind of, you know, imagine different things. So if you get stuck on like one plan, okay, I'm going to do this and, you know, this is what's going to happen. And then you have an obstacle or something comes up and you know, something has to be arra- rearranged. If you can't kind of flexibly then kind of rearrange this in your mind, you're going to have problems. So you need this, you know, ability to, to, to move things around mentally, that cognitive flexibility. Um, and then there's um, inhibition. And, you know, I think, you know, this is in, in one sense an, an issue with younger children. Part of the problem for them thinking about the future is that you have to kind of inhibit the, the present to imagine this future. Um, but adolescents can have that problem, too. Um, you know, trying to, like, you know, think about what they're going to major in in college or, you know, they have to study in order to you know, get good grades to be able to go to college. You really have to inhibit your desire to, you know, lounge and have a good time right now um, while thinking about this future outcome uh, that you could have, positive outcome that you could have if you didn't, you know, procrastinate and you actually did your schoolwork. Um, and, and so that, that, that inhibition component is also something that's developing and is important. How do you talk then to um, teenagers, say, 
uh, about these things. And we were, when we were talking about the younger children, we were saying there's no point in saying at three o'clock this is going to happen. You have to say, you know, after you have your morning tea, this will happen and then that will happen and then before whatever. You, you have to give them some tangibles. How do you talk to these teenage children who are beginning to develop this higher level of functioning about about what to do and, and, and build those skills, as you say, and being able to reorder what they're going to have to do? Well, it's hard. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, it, it's a challenge. I think, first of all, talking about it uh, and allowing them, you know, to, to uh, use their imagination and think and kind of brainstorm and working through things with them. You know, so often as parents, we have an idea about how things should progress and we kind of want them to land on on that. Um, but to be open and to, you know, help them work it through and either land, you know, come up to with that conclusion, oh, yeah, I should do this now and then I'll do this and this, or be open to perhaps, you know, them not doing something immediately, but give them a half hour, you know, or some time to do something fun first and, but let them sort of see what that looks like. Um, so that would be my idea is to be, really be able to kind of talk and say, yeah, you know, consider this and talk through Part of it is just really imagining kind of a future scenario. Okay, what if I did this? What would then happen? What would be the consequences? And to talk through and imagine all those. And then they can kind of then look at that and say, oh, okay, maybe that's not, you know, maybe that's not the best solution or, yeah, that's the way I want to go. Um, so I, I think that can help. The other thing I think can sometimes help. It really depends on the, on what your the topic is, but uh, to do some um, some diagrams and visualization. I mean, there's a reason we all use calendars and we have clocks. Is that is time is abstract, and so we you know provide these visual aids for ourselves to understand that. Uh, and sometimes I think that you know that could be helpful for for children as well. That if in, in adolescence, you know, to block out. Um, times and and so particularly also to acknowledge that they need some downtime and so make sure that if you're working with scheduling with them for instance you know to to block out some time for having fun or for relaxing uh, so they don't see you know whenever you talk to them about time it's just you nagging them about doing something um, but really what you want to do is help them kind of think about a time frame for getting lots of things done. They do need help with that planning, as you say, again, because, yes, they understand the concept of time. But this is a time, um, and uh, one of our uh, neuroscientist uh, regulars talks about this. Uh, he talks about the prefrontal cortex shutting down for renovations um, <laughs> in, in that teenage yes. age. So the whole idea of consequence or the, um, you know, they they they. they they often just aren't even really hearing or noticing things going on around them. They sort of can go into their own world a little bit because there's a lot of development happening in that brain. So, in, in, you know, in and that... The future seems very far away for them. It too. does. I mean, and I wanted to ask you whether those teens live in the moment. They've got the ability to imagine and, and, and look forward, but do they tend to look forward about as far as who I'm going to be sitting next to tomorrow and, you know, where I might be going on Friday? Do they t still tend at that age, high school age, to live in the moment? 
A large part, because that, that, that in the moment is, you know, just so present and so complicated for them. Again, this, all this takes cognitive effort. And so just negotiating the present sometimes, all those complex social relationships and picking up on those subtle cues and things. I mean, that really takes a lot of work. Um, but the other thing is that, you know, this kind of imagined future is, is for them, it's just so abstract and, you know, it is, it's very hard for them to really visualize and imagine this, you know, great outcome that's going to happen if they, you know, like I said, um, get out of the, you know, the present and uh, inhibit doing what they want to do right now or experimenting. Uh, because that, that future, it, it's so open-ended and it's so big and it's so uncertain that it's hard for them to kind of hang their, their, their actions on that. Uh, it's much easier to focus on what's happening now because it's immediate. I can see it. I know it. I understand it. I can, um, I can work with processing it. This imagined future in two or three years, that, that's just um, too amorphous. It's also, they're very emotional at this time. I mean, their hormones are going insane. They're beginning to experience very different kinds of big feelings and and to uh, involve themselves fully in that. By the time we are older, we're on that treadmill. We've got to get the kids here. We've got to be at work at this time. We've got to get this made by this time. Um, but there's an element of that experience they're having that you kind of want to let them just enjoy while bringing some <laughs> disciplines in as well, right? Right. Um, and, you know, another aspect, too, is that you so said the good time, you want them to enjoy the good time and, you know, always have to be thinking about, you know, the, the, your future. Um, but something else that can happen sometimes is that if they're having a bad time, they they may feel like that will go on forever. We have the perspective that, you know, OK, you break up with your you know boyfriend. Well, chances are you're going to have another one. You may have many relationships. Um, but for the teenager, it's it's, I'm feeling miserable, no one loves me, and it's always going to be this way. It's hard for them to imagine this future where they won't be feeling this. Or um, So, you know, we, we want to let them enjoy the good times, but we also want to try and Acknowledge, them, validate. Understand that, that, mm. that time is passes, mm. that these feelings will pass, that the bad feelings can, or they can pass. Yeah. Um, do you have, an, are there, uh, I don't want to use the word condition, but is there an experience where people just never really get a grip on time as we structure it in our cultures? Um, for example, people who never really know what day it is necessarily or um, aren't good at having a sense of when the weekend is or of the seasons. Um, can this be something that some people, uh, you know, live with and, and um, well, regrettably, because of the way we function, have to come up with solutions too? Oh, interesting. Um, I really don't know. I, I'm not aware of, you know, that kind of as a, um, you know, a syndrome in particular uh issue. I do know that there, you know, are again a lot of variability in how well people manage time. I think um last time uh, I was on we were talking about ADHD and, and time blindness and uh some people not not necessarily individual all 
always individuals with ADHD, but you know, really have a hard time estimating how long it's going to take to do things uh, and, and just are constantly running late because they never seem to realize you know how long it actually will take to prepare or to drive someplace uh, and um, you know sort of mystifying uh, you know why they can't learn this but it does seem there there's some things like that where uh, people really do have some problems with that look interesting and you mentioned procrastination too yeah mm. they're they're procre- that's the style Procrastination is one thing, but just not being able to do the calculation. I mean, it's a working memory yeah. calculation again, isn't it? It's holding in mind where I'm going, what the traffic's like, what time I need to be there, then I'll need to park. And we, you know, we, if we're fortunate, we can do those calculations all the time. Um, but but for some, it, it does seem to be a challenge. And there's one person here just who's emailed in and says, as an adult, times, time feels slippery is the only way I can describe it. My brain feels like a giant scribble when I know I have to try and be on time. Now I find I'm very often very early or very late. Um, it, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting one. And just finally, the, the, the ability... <clears throat> I, I mentioned that this is a useful school, skill. It can be negative too. You made the point of rumination. And there was a New Zealand uh, academic who did a really fascinating study about what was happening in the part of the brain where this activity, remembering back and being able to um, project forward and imagine forward, there was a correlation between people in a depressed state and very low activity uh, of that ilk in the brain. Uh, it's important that we that we can remember good times. It's important that we can visualise better times. Um, but I was just talking about the teens and, and trying to harness this as a, a skill necessarily, a creative skill. Your warning, don't overdo it. They've got enough going on, right? <laughs> um, but but if you're trying to encourage it as a skill, not not so much that if I do this, I'll pass my exam, or if I put this money in a savings account, I'll have something for you know for my holidays. More harnessing it as a creative skill. Uh, is is there a way of exercising that ability to create and imagine forward? And are teens capable of it, or are we better to wait till their brains get there themselves? Well, you know, I. I think that you have to acknowledge that that teens' brains, like you said, you know, sort of have some limitations there. But I do think, you know, at least, um, I mean, the research has shown that parents, you know, who engage younger children in more talk about, you know, the past and the future, you know, develop those skills in children, the reminiscing skills. Um, So, you know, talking about these things, not just, not, you know, about what the vacation you're coming up, planning for that, your birth, you know, as with younger children, your birthday party, what would you like? Uh, when I first started doing some of this research, I thought, well, you know, young children, they really don't get to plan a lot. Do they really engage in planning? And my daughter is four years old, and I asked, sort of asked her, oh, you know, your birthday's coming up, you know, what would you like? And it turned out she had lots of ideas. And so it really opened my mind, okay, we can start conversations about this. We can plan vacations. We can, you know, talk about, you know, fun things that are coming up. And I think that, you know, it, I, you said exercise. Um, I do think that if you engage in this kind of visualization of the future and you encourage that, uh, you know, across a variety of contexts, uh, people can get better at that um, because, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, where would you like to go or go someplace warm? What do you think we should pack? What should we do now? I guess we'll have to make some reservations, you know, just talk through what's involved with the steps that you need to get to, you know, point B um, that you're imagining and in the future uh, can help children um, and 
and adolescents as well. Thank you. It's much appreciated. It's Professor Judith Hudson.